Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. We're glad to have you today. I'm Lynn Wilder and co-host is Joel Grote. Today you're really going to enjoy this, I think. This is one of my favorite people on the earth. This is Lila <laughs> LeBaron. Some of you may recognize that last name and I'm going to let Lila introduce herself. Hi guys, um, I'm actually one of the lead vocalists on uh, the Adams Road Ministry, and so I'm just happy to be here. Lila has a beautiful voice, and we're going to get to hear kind of some of her past and how she came to know Jesus. Yep, and I just met Lila for the first time two days ago, so I'm really excited to hear more of her story. So, Lila, Start us at, at your beginning. Everybody's got kind of a spiritual past, a spiritual background, and yours is a bit on the unique side. So go ahead and start us there with where you come from, and then we'll see where God has taken you. Right, thank you, Joel. So I actually was born and raised in Chihuahua, Mexico, in a small polygamous community of fundamental Mormons. Uh, my father has, he had four wives, and so I grew up in that small town, um, very broken community because of uh, just the spiritual darkness that was there. The prophet of the community was murdered by his brother and that brought a lot of brokenness yes. and also a broken family because of um, my father was physically abusive to my brothers and sisters and it brought a lot of heartache to, to see that happening. Okay. So. Abusive to brothers and sisters and Lila as well? Not me, because I I was one of the youngest, so I just watched it happen. Okay, so and youngest of how many siblings? Right. Uh, so my mother has 14 children, but in total we are 33. Okay, wow. so that's a big family. Yes. And I think people listening are are shocked. Wait a minute. Did you just say polygamy? Does that still exist? Can you can you address that just for a minute? Give I us think? a little historical yeah. background. Because I think most Christians, particularly if they're listening, don't aren't aware that polygamy still exists in the United States. And where does it come from? It still exists um, even within Mexico and even in Canada and also uh, groups. In Utah, also there's there's many polygamists um, around the United States, uh, but it's kind of a quiet thing, <laughs> right? And, and none it, of them are officially members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, exactly. the Utah Church, because they're groups that have broken off. Right. The leaders have broken off, declared themselves prophets of their own groups. Right. Yeah, and yet polygamy was part of original Mormonism, so the first prophet, uh, Joseph Smith, practiced polygamy, and his predecessor then, uh, 
Brigham Young. Brigham Young had 54 wives, right? So polygamy is both in Mormon scripture as an eternal principle. Yes. Um, currently, those are the scriptures of mainstream Mormons. However, mainstream Mormons don't practice polygamy currently, right. but there are offshoot groups. And some of the estimates I've heard just in the United States alone are somewhere between 30,000 and 100,000 in the Intermountain wow. West. And I, don't, I yeah. got that from um, a former polygamist who's now in Christian ministry. Okay. So it really is more prevalent than we might think. Right. right? Yeah. There are some reality shows that kind of show what polygamy might be like and Current day. Yeah. And and I guess again so people have the context, the fundamentalist groups start when the Mormon the Mormon church, the what's considered the Utah Mormon Church today, when they disavow polygamy, they decide they're going to stop it mm-hmm. when the federal government's about to come in and, and take possession of their lands and their temples and all their properties mm-hmm. and business. Because bigamy or polygamy was against the law in the United States. Right. And so they're violating the law. They've lied to Congress at this point. But mm-hmm. they've said polygamy will never go away. Polygamy is an eternal principle. We cannot change it. And so when the leaders decide to make that change, there are people within the LDS community who are faithful Mormons who feel like the leaders have sold out. And at that point, they say no to be faithful to God. We have to continue to practice polygamy. And that's when they begin to separate out. And since it is illegal in the United States, some went to Mexico, some right. went to Canada. That was the 1880s. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, late 1800s, early 1900s. So that, so for people who don't know a lot about that's kind of the roots of this. So it does all come out of the same root. It mm-hmm. all comes out of the church that Joseph Smith started. Right. Um, but since then, it's branched out and, yeah. And then the mainstream Mormon prophet in 1890 had a revelation from God that the church was to stop practicing polygamy. But there's the problem. You've got all these men already practicing it. And what do they do? Get rid of their wives. So many of those folks either went underground and then went to Canada or Mexico. And those polygamous colonies still exist in Canada and Mexico. And so then that's where Lila's story comes in. So yeah. you, so were you um, born in Mexico? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So born and raised in Mexico. Born there, yes. And obviously learned both languages. My mother is American. My father's half Mexican, half American. So um, I have that dual citizenship, and also did okay. all my schooling in in Mexico and stuff. So okay. But so tell us what it was like growing up. In- yeah. In Chihuahua, Mexico, in a yeah. polygamous colony. Well, it was everything that I knew. Like, I I just grew up with my father just being very distant, and he wasn't there all the time, and, and I just, like, I thought that was normal. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was right. like to actually have a father there. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that I noticed the most as a child. But... Just growing up in that, um, I actually noticed that God, he protected my heart from that because of just seeing the brokenness around my community, my friend, my family, my friends, um, God protected that because my heart, it wasn't hearted towards him. 
Yeah, which is which is yeah. amazing that yeah. you come out and through this with such a soft heart. That's just so cool for God to like keep his hand. So at what at what age so what are you learning about God in the polygamous community? Who is who is God to you? Because right. we, our image of God comes often, unfortunately, mm -hmm. or fortunately, depending on the case, from our fathers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember growing up as a as a kid reading the Book of Mormon. Um, I learned about Joseph Smith a lot, but I didn't know who Jesus was. Like I heard his name, but I didn't know like what he did for me. I I didn't know about this forgiveness that I could have through. Um, through Jesus. Um, but when I was 10 years old, my mom and dad got divorced and that gave my oh, mom wow. the freedom to search other places for truth. So then that's when she took me to a Christian Bible study with my aunt and uncle there that started um, a Bible study at their home. Um, the only Christians that I'd ever met in my entire life. Right there in, in Chihuahua? In, in that polygamous community. Okay. Yes, oh, so I went there and then we would just sit in a little room in their home and just open up the Bible and just sing worship songs and just being in that environment, it was very eye-opening that there is a God out there and that He does love you and you can know about Jesus and you can know more about having that forgiveness because Growing up in, in this brokenness, I grew up with a lot of fear and hurt and and just guilt in my heart and in my life. And like I, I knew that I was a sinner. God, he put that, that fear of him in me, a good fear to know that I couldn't measure up to the law. I couldn't measure up to the holiness that God is. But, but Jesus, and that that was the hope that we hold on to, that Jesus, he, he brings life and he is the word of God that was, that became flesh and dwelled among us and that we could have that forgiveness through him. And that's the hope that I held on to when I went to that Bible study. So how, how old were you when you started going to the Bible study then? I was 10 years old. Okay. Wow. So cool to be exposed to that so young. Yes. Um, and then so how long, I mean, so how long did you hear the story? What's happening, you know, with your mom and <clears throat> I'm assuming other yeah. brothers and sisters were going? Right. My mom took me to that Bible study and my younger brother, Patrick, and my, my older sister, Marlene, and we were the first ones to actually be exposed to Christianity. Um, but to this day, my mother, she is still Mormon, and okay. my other brothers and sisters are either fundamental Mormons, uh, atheists, agnostics, or they're kind of in between. Yeah. <laughs> so still praying for my family. Um, God's working on their hearts, and and I've been sharing the word with them. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier where you talked about it being a very broken place and i've been in and out of mexico a lot because of my ministry and i know that area of juarez over the border and even into colonia juarez mm -hmm. that is not a safe place to live um so right. did i mean how <clears throat> in the colony how much did you experience 
um, just the danger. I mean, uh, the, the drug, the drug cartels yeah. yes. operate mm-hmm. in and through there. Uh, most definitely, actually, uh, two of my cousins were murdered by the drug cartels um, in that polygamous community and it it was because they were uh, protesting to the government to do something about um, the drug trafficking and the kidnappings that were going on then one of my other cousins were kidnapped and so it's very close to home like just hearing a gunshot at night in my community was like oh my gosh like what's going on like you just like don't even want to sleep by your window so there was that like physical fear, but also like the spiritual like fear that comes with being in bondage to your sin and mm-hmm. not having freedom from that, from this religion. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So how does a pastor get to a polygamous colony to open his home for Bible study. How does that polygamy colony allow a pastor in? <laughs> well, I guess because of, like I said, the the prophet of the community was murdered by his brother, and so there's still not a prophet in, that, in the LeBaron community in Mexico. Okay. And so they're trying to keep the church together, but there's not much leadership there. And okay. so I think they're really seeking for something. Um, and so I think they they felt the love of God from my aunt and uncle. And that's why they allowed them to live um, in that community and be at peace because uh, they believe in Jesus. And so uh, that's kind of how they were able to just settle down there. And the polygamous community also accepts the Bible as scripture. Right. Even though they have the book. So they're not going to be against the Bible right. being taught. They accept the Book of Mormon right. as scripture, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price, the mainstream Mormon scriptures. Right. Yeah. So, so did your aunt and uncle come specifically to be missionaries, so to speak, to the polygamous community? That yes. was their intent. Mm-hmm. Wow. But your aunt must have come from that community originally? Yes. So my aunt, she is my father's sister. And so... So she was a LeBaron. Yes, she yeah. is a Le- LeBaron. And she um, she felt really burned by the religion, honestly, when she was a teenager. So she rebelliously, rebelliously left and had wa- wanted nothing to do with it. And then she met... Uh, her husband, which is now my uncle, in the United States, and uh, he actually grew up um, in a Catholic family, so he knew about that legalistic uh, religion, and so he actually told my aunt, so their names are Mike and Rosa, I'll just tell you their names, (laughs) and so Mike was like, hey, we need to go back to your community in Mexico, and she was like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) I can can believe that. No, got out, not going back in. But God's ways are not our ways, and (laughs) eventually God gave her a heart for her family, and they went back and were faithful to that call like the call to discipleship, to take up their cross and to follow Jesus at all costs. That meant leaving their lives in the United States. Just like not having a retirement completely set up, but they trusted God. They went down there uh, in their like early 50s and then they lived there. So. So then they obviously came to Christ at some point. I mean, being former polygamist and a Catholic, so... Right. They must have amazing stories of coming to faith themselves and they then for do. God to move to send them 
back yes. to the community. And I'll kind of uh, sing it together. So when I told you, like, I cried at night as a child, as a 10-year-old girl, like, asking God, I, I want your love. I want your forgiveness. I don't know where to find it. So will you help me? And then he got, he prepared this good work for them to walk in. Yes. Like way before <laughs> this, God's working in their hearts and lives. And he sends them there to this community. And then I get to hear the word of God for the Praise first God. time. Yeah. God, he hears our cries. He knows what we need. We just trust him. Yeah. So yeah. personal. So, no idea. at what point, so then tell us a little bit about, so how long did you listen to the stories and how long is it tell? Well, obviously God's moving in your heart from the very beginning, mm -hmm. but that point where you go, wow, I'm a sinner, I, you know, but here's the hope that's being offered to me. At what point does that happen? How old are you? Um, when I was 13 years old was when I finally... Um, truly understood the gospel and uh, three years before that I was literally just struggling with uh, trusting my Heavenly Father because mm -hmm. I grew up with this fear and guilt and shame in my life uh, towards my uh, earthly father that when he came home instead of being happy to see him like I would run and hide yeah. and that that's all I knew from a father. And so to change my mind, like we are transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God. And so it was that three years of reading the Bible and truly accepting that this God, he is as good as he says he is. Yes. And he is as personal and intimate as he says he is, and that he loves us personally. And that there is no fear in love, but perfect love, it casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Yes. But we love because he first loved us. And so it was finally accepting that love when I was 13 years old to being like, God, okay, I know that you love me and I accept you. And so I was baptized by my uncle, one of the first people to be baptized in that oh, polygamous really? community. One of the first uh, children to go to that Christian Bible study with my aunt and uncle and so I guess one of the first fruits from uh, from my aunt and uncle having that ministry so oh, that is amazing but now you're here yeah. in Florida <laughs> so, so what was it four years ago yes. Adams Road came through New Mexico, Las Cruces, I was gonna say, how New did you Mexico, connect? Okay. And your uncle came up, right? right. <laughs> so I believe it was Doris Hansen's ministry, was it? Yes. Who connected Adams Road to Lila LeBaron. So, mm -hmm. and because of that, pastor. so as a believer, so, okay, so at 13, um, you come to faith in Christ, you're still living there in the community, right? Yes. Um, so how old were you when you transitioned out of the community? How, I mean, how did that happen? Yeah, so it happened kind of uniquely. I never actually like left my home or had to flee um, because like 
my mom was supportive of me going to this Christian Bible study and she took me for many years and she was hungry for grace also and so that helped my living experience um, there in Mexico right. so I, I didn't have to leave um, but it was just like God teaching me and learning how to uh, stand up for my faith because I had many people in my life that were non-believers and that were Mormons and so they they would ask me questions and so um, yes I was baptized when I was when I was 13 years old but I remained there until I moved here to Florida four years ago okay so once I was saved my main focus was to help my aunt and uncle there in that uh, Bible study mm -hmm. and you did that until like what age until like 18 okay mm-hmm and then I moved here four years ago okay so, so Lila has the voice of an angel and she <laughs> began to help her um, uncle and aunt with worship yes Mm -hmm. Oh, how cool. Okay. So, so tell them what happened to your aunt and uncle's little Bible study. Yes. <laughs> so it turned into a church building. So it wasn't in their home anymore. Uh, just like five years ago, they got the money to be able to create like a, a church building for sure. people to meet in. And so, yeah. So Lila helped with the worship. And then four years ago, your pastor, what? reached out yes he reached out to the Adams Road ministry um, because I was at the point in my life where um, I wanted to grow more <laughs> I wanted to learn more but living in that polygamous community there was no Christians my age and no formal schooling I mean you really don't have access to even a Bible right. Institute or something like that right so. I didn't know where God was calling me to be um, I knew when I was 15 years old that that I wasn't supposed to stay there in that community. Like God, he spoke to me clearly uh, through his word and was like, you're not home right now. You have somewhere else that you're going to be, but you have to be faithful and you have to trust me. And so I was always kind of open to where God was leading me outside of where I was. And so when my aunt and uncle reached out to the Adams Road ministry and he was like, hey, do you need help in your bed and breakfast here in Winter Garden, Florida? And they did need help because they were short on hands to run the bed and breakfast. And so that's when I came in. I was like, hey, well, I can clean rooms and I can <laughs> help. After how many brothers and sisters? I'm sure you helped <laughs> clean up and do all that sorts of stuff at home. When you've got a big family, everybody kicks in. Yeah. Um, well, and, that I mean, that is an amazing story, but there's obviously Lila part two here and we're almost out of time because I really want to hear your transition because you're more than just cleaning rooms. You're a part of the Adams Road band now and you tour with them. So I really want to hear that part of the story. And you alluded to it at the beginning, how this God of grace is someone who brings forgiveness to you. Right. But I know forgiveness has touched your story in way deeper ways. And so I would love to have you do a part two. So will you do that with us? Yes, of course. I'd okay, good. Um, we didn't scare you off then. So no. <laughs> glad to have you here. Yeah, that's, I think that's where we're going to call it today. And, and again, like we always say, Lynn, if anything of this, if any of Lila's story resonated with you, what she's gone through, 
we know there are still people that are out there that feel even trapped within polygamous communities and that can be a very difficult living situation, life situation. We just want to say feel free to reach out. The unveilinggracepodcast.com is the website where we have show notes. We've got all the different episodes. It would be fun for folks to send in their questions about yes. polygamy and then to have Lila back sometime in the future that, oh, that would she be could really address cool. those yes. things. Yeah. So write us, so unveilinggracepodcast.com, and from that site, you can write to Lynn, you can write to myself, um, you can write, just use our contact form and write in care of Lila, and we would make sure that she gets anything. So please reach out to us, know that we will reach out to you, and yeah, I would love to do maybe just a show on grace and polygamy and answer some of those questions. And I... I would say be encouraged. God's Spirit appears to be rocking through the LDS world, the Latter-day Saint. Yes. And also fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. Yep. I know that Lila has seen some salvations here. Yeah. We'll do a Lila part two. Yep. We'll do a Lila <laughs> part two. So um, join us for that. And again, thanks for being a part of the podcast. We wish you God's grace to help your life and relationships flourish. Experience a grace that heals. Yes. Thanks so much. Thanks for being with us. And here's an excerpt from next week's episode. So you had that background and a heart for worship and singing. So how did they discover you? Um, How'd you start singing? (laughs) Yeah. While you're cleaning? I guess it's kind of a Cinderella thing, you know? Well... I, I've always loved to write music, and so I had some just personal videos that I put on YouTube of songs that I had written, some Christian, some just kind of personal songs mm-hmm. uh, that I had written. And so Micah, he actually went online and he he listened to me singing these songs, and and like he was like, hey, well, do you want to be kind of a uh, just a guest vocalist on one of our early albums? And Uh, the album Immeasurable, and so it kind of started out as me just kind of trying it out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.